This is the this Web Gem Podcast with Jesse Friedman. My guest now on the Web Gem Podcast is Dan Zimborski. He's an analyst for ESPN and the creator of the Zips Projection System. Dan, we really appreciate the time today. Thanks for coming on. Always fun. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And the, the Diamondbacks yesterday made uh, my day even better as a guy who started to really cover the Diamondbacks more closely. Uh, they acquired J.D. Martinez for three infield prospects, Dowell Lugo, Sergio Alcantara, and Jose King. The consensus around the game has been that the that the Tigers got a fairly light return for, for a pretty elite hitter in J.D. Martinez. But from the Diamondbacks' perspective, how much do you think this improves their chances of a playoff berth down the stretch? It does. They, they haven't played, obviously, as well as they did at the start of the season. And while they still have a cushion in the wildcard race, that cushion is smaller than it was. That was It was eight or nine games. Uh, if we go back a few months now, it's, I think five or six games. I don't have it in front of me, but it, it makes sense from their perspective. Like, Hey, we have a weakness. We can solidify it and we're not giving up really elite prospects. I know some people are disappointed at the tiger's return, but what it comes down to is it's two months of a corner outfielder who has some defensive problems. Uh, and I think that the idea that they were going to say, the team's four top prospects or something, I think was a little absurd. Uh, you look at other players that were available like Jay Bruce last year at the same time. He got one good prospect in Dilson Herrera, but they not much more for Bruce, even though Bruce was having a pretty okay season. I won't say a great season, uh, but I, I do think it was a fair trade for both sides, given their respective needs. The other trade that went down yesterday was the Yankees who seemed to, really try to plug all of the gaps on their roster in one deal. They got Todd Frazier, they got David Robertson, and they also got Tommy Conley from the White Sox. And really the headline returning prospect uh, was Blake Rutherford in that deal, who MLB.com has as the 30th best prospect in the game. Uh, which side did you like better in this trade, and, and what do you think this does for the Yankees down the stretch? I think that what it gets down to is it's another one of those kind of a boring fair trades. <laughs> uh, I know I know it sounds terrible to say a boring fair trade, but I think when Tigers fans should look at the Yankee package and the Yankees, I mean they gave up a better, a better package, but they also got ha- uh, the two months of Todd Frazier and a year and two months of David Robertson and I think four years of Tommy Canley. Uh, I I don't think that that it was unreasonable. Either trade really was unreasonable. It does it does do well to kind of patch up some of the Yankees' depth issues in the rotation, uh, because now you, you have, when everybody's healthy, you, you have Chapman, Batanzas, Canley, and Robertson, and that is a pretty nice bullpen there. I know you had this conversation with uh, with one of your Twitter followers the other day. Uh, I think someone <laughs> oh, was, yeah, you probably know what I'm talking about. Somebody was was talking about the Braves and, and you know how they were a 500 team. 
And, and your response to them was, was sure, they are a 500 team, but when you look at their run differential, you, you know, that kind of indicates that maybe they don't belong in the same class as the other 500 teams uh, in the game. And we really see this uh, with other teams, too. You've got the Yankees, who are just four games over 500, but are, but are plus 101 uh, right now. You've got the Twins, who are one game over 500, but are minus 66. How much do you read in to run differential as opposed to a team's actual record? Well, when we're talking half a season, the the run differential is actually a much better predictor of the future performance than the actual record is because there, there's there's less um, – What's the word I'm looking for? There's less distortions to it uh, because people will say, well, well, they're only bad because they were blown out. But if you look at different run differential records and predictive value, how a team does in blowouts is much more predictive of actual quality teams than how they do in close games. And in five run games, the Braves were something like seven and 20. And what one of the characteristics of good teams is they do tend to blow out their competition. The fact that they're getting blown out so often suggests that they're not as good a team as some of the other teams. Now they're not, uh, say the, the Phillies this year or anything, uh, but really the Phillies are another example of this. Last year they were nine games above the Pythagorean win loss record for what you'd expect from the run differential, and people were talking, oh, well, now they're close to a wild card contention, but they never really were a 71 win team. They were more like a 62 win team, and as we've seen in 2017, they're still around that level. They actually have a fairly similar run differential per game than they had last year. Uh, so consequences for the Braves, it depends on how seriously they take their record as opposed to some of the the secondary indicators. What do you make of a team that has, you know, drastically underperformed uh, their their Pythagorean uh, win-loss predicted record? Does that maybe indicate that a team has, you know, issues in in their bullpen, that they maybe struggle in in closer games? Or is that just an issue that you think corrects itself over time? It, it tends to correct itself over time. Uh, if you look at teams that do well in one-run games, there's not really a strong relationship between doing well in one-run games and having good bullpens. Because a lot of the times you lose a lot of one-run games, uh, it, it would have been a, you know a wider game otherwise if you didn't have your bullpen and, and vice versa. Uh, like the Royals, the year they won the World Series, they didn't have a good uh, one-loss record. Uh, and of course they had a pretty dominating rotation and – some years, the Yankees at prime Mariano Rivera had poor one one win records. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm mumbling a little there. Uh, I I think that it is an indicator. In the case of the Yankees this year, they've had had a little problems with their bullpen. When you look at like some Tyler Clippard uh, and and Chapman not always being quite as on as he usually is, uh, and it's I I I do think that the Yankees are. are are a good uh, bet to kind of, you know, push forward the rest of the season because I think their run differential is more reflecting a, a team that should be one of the should be the top wildcard contender and make it interesting in the East for the division. The Chicago Cubs have really come storming out of the All-Star break. They've won all of their games that they've played so far. They're uh, really destroying the Atlanta Braves as we speak right now. So it looks like the Cubs are about to win their sixth consecutive game coming out of the All-Star break. Do you think the Cubs are set up well now that they have Jose Quintana, now that uh, maybe some of their other pieces are starting to get back to form? Do you think the Cubs are, are going to be a team to beat come, come September and October? 
I, I, I'd be hard pressed to call them the team to beat because the Dodgers are a very good team. And over in the AL, the, the Astros are a very good, very deep team. So I wouldn't call them the team to beat, but I think that they're still actually, they're probably still the slight favorite in the NL Central when you factor in, uh, even, even being a few games behind, when you factor in the Quintana edition and the fact that the Cubs were probably a better team than they've played so far. I think they're the NL Central favorite. And they'll be more dangerous in uh, October than a team with their record typically is because they're probably going to end up at like 87 and 75 or something like that. And no one says, Oh no, an 87 win team. But I think they will be better than an 87 win team in, in reality. Uh, so even if I wouldn't call them the favorite, cause and nationals too, I don't want to forget them. Even if I wouldn't call them the favorite, uh, they are going to be a strong contender in the postseason if they get there. I'm glad you mentioned the Dodgers because this team right now is just performing out of their mind. They're 30 and four uh, since June the seventh. They're 39 and 11 at Dodger Stadium. They've won 10 in a row. From what you know and what Zips has told you, are the Dodgers actually this good of a team? Well, if if you're going to say, Dan, are they a 30 and four win team? Does that mean that they're good? That, that, that they would go? Uh, 140 and 22 over a season. Uh, I, I, I'd say no to that, but I do think that given some of the questions that have come up with the, with the Cubs, I think they are the best team in baseball, uh, coming into the season zips had the Dodgers projected with the second best roster strength in baseball behind the Cubs. And obviously when you start from projections and things happen, things change and there are enough questions in around the Cubs. Like how good is Jake Arrieta now? How good is John Lackey now? Is John Lackey done? Will Jason Hayward have any upside remaining? What's Kyle Schwarber doing? When you look at those questions with the Cubs, it's enough that in Zips's eyes, at least, and probably for a lot of people that it does push the Dodgers above the Cubs. When you talk about team quality right now, uh, because one of the things about the Dodgers is they're a very deep team. They have options all over the place. And, when you have a team like that, it gets hard to really stop them simply because they lose. They're, they're a team that could actually lose like a Corey Seager and not be super in trouble as a result. And that's, that's an unusual thing. Right now in the American League, there are 12 teams that are within five games of a playoff spot. A completely different story than in the National League where it seems like uh, it's almost a little bit cut and dry except for maybe a few things in the wild card race. The Tampa Bay Rays are a team that have that have kind of come out lately. They've played really well uh, overall in the American League. Who do you like as maybe your wild card favorites? Uh, at this point, I would think that the two losers in the AL East, most likely the Rays and the Yankees, are probably the favorites right now. Uh, teams are going to do a lot of soul searching in the next two weeks because there's a question of how much will you do for the future against the future to compete for a wild card, especially if you're an AL West team where there's no hope of, of, you know, winning the division, which is, which is a pretty big deal when you factor in all the calculus about it. Uh, there's a difference between being a wild card contender and say two games back in the AL East or being an AL West wild card contender and being 15 games back. It, it, it really changes how they look at things. Uh, so, and it also comes down to which teams are nearing the end of their run. So you see the Blue Jays, and you'll see the the Royals more likely try to stay in the race. Uh, 
but I, I do think the Rays and Yankees, with their rosters and some of the assets they have, the Rays are one of these rare teams that they could trade Archer for someone and still be fine because they have uh, such a depth and young pitching coming up in the high minors right now. Uh, so it, I, I think that it's happened a lot in the past where the AL East losers become the wild cards, and I think this is feeling like one of those years. When we did this interview, uh, I think I think about uh, last year, about a year ago, right now in July of 2016, I asked you, uh, who, who's going to get in the way of the Chicago Cubs winning that first World Series? And you said at the time, the Cleveland Indians. And sure enough, it was the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago Cubs that it came down to in the very end of the postseason. The Indians haven't been quite as good this season. They've lost 6 of 10. They're sitting at just four games over 500, although they do lead their division. Do you think the Indians have the ability to go back to that uh, playoff, postseason, even World Series form? I think so. Uh, You look at a few things similar to the Yankees. The Indians are a team that's underperforming their run differential. And when we talk about one-run games and the like, No one looks at the Cleveland bullpen, you know, headed by Andrew Miller and and Cody Allen and Brian Shaw and Nick Goody. And no one says, Mm. hey, you know, that isn't a good uh, bullpen. Uh, And and they're a team that has actually a losing record in one run games right now. I think they're like eight and ten. So so that's kind of a counterexample to to illustrate that it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bullpen issue. But you look at the rest of the division and you don't see anyone that's really scary. If Cleveland's really a 53-win team right now instead of a 48-win team, then you, you look at some of the other teams like, do the Twins really have the pitching? Probably not. Do the Royals really haven't, have done enough to fix their holes? Probably not. The Tigers look like they're folding, so they're not going to be a threat. And, of course, the White Sox, it would be some crazy miracle. I mean, <laughs> mathematically possible. I mean, they're, they're fewer than 10 games out, so that's, it's theoretically possible, but it, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, I, I do think that they will win the NL Central by a comfortable but not over. I mean, the AL Central by a comfortable but not overwhelming margin. Uh, and I think that at the, the questions are really going to come down in the end to the wild card race. Dan, thanks for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it. Always fun, Jesse, and I appreciate you remembering my prediction last year that turned out correct <laughs> because you're the first person to ever remember anything I said that turned out to be correct. <laughs> well, I'm glad we could give you that that self-esteem boost. Jesse Friedman back here, the host of the WebGem podcast. I just wanted to let you know that you can find me on Twitter at at Jesse and Friedman. Listeners are some of my favorite people, so don't hesitate to reach out. Also, be sure to check out my website at www.thewebgem.net where you can find all of my latest shows. I'm bringing you interviews and analysis about your favorite team all year long. As always, thanks for listening.